Okay, we're in Lesson 5 today, and we're going to look at wisdom and maturity. Now, wisdom, we're going to look at God's wisdom. In maturity, we're going to look at the immaturity of the Corinthian believers. Because remember, what we were talking about was, is that the Corinthian believers, what were they doing? Paul was rebuking them for what? Anybody? What were they doing? Remember? Yeah, they were fighting among themselves. And so Paul has kind of gone off, it seems like on a different track here from just dealing with them about the whole issue of fighting. It seems like he's kind of sidetracked himself, but he sidetracked himself for a purpose because at the heart of their fighting is what? One thing was that we saw last week was pride. And what we're going to see this week is, is that at the heart of it is also immaturity on their part. They were being very immature as believers. And so that's what we're going to notice today. We're going to look at the issue of wisdom and uh, their immaturity. So let's first of all, let's notice God's wisdom. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9, first of all, in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. And notice with me what the apostle writes. However, we seek wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, a hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, the eye has not seen nor the ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So let's notice the context, and let's notice uh, different things that Paul is going to be showing us here. First of all, he wants to show us that the gospel is not human wisdom. The gospel is not human wisdom. So the first thing I want you to see is, Paul makes the point that the gospel was not void of wisdom. Look at verse 6. Notice what he says there. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So he's saying, look, guys, we're speaking a wisdom. We're speaking God's wisdom. But the wisdom that we're speaking to you isn't like the wisdom of this age. The wisdom of this age would actually say, remember, we saw, saw that last week. The wisdom of this age would say that the gospel is what? Foolishness. The concept that. A man had to die for what? The atonement for the forgiveness of everyone else. The rest of the world looks at that as foolishness. And so he's saying, he makes the point here, is that the gospel was not void of wisdom. And so then here's what he says. It contains a wisdom that only the mature understand. It contains a wisdom that only the mature understand. Now let me ask you a question. When he's talking about the mature here, Who's he talking about? Yeah, spiritual individuals, but they're spiritual because of what? Because of Christ. Yeah, because they're saved or because the Holy Spirit gave them understanding so that they could respond to the gospel. See, not everybody will look at the gospel and grasp it and understand it and accept it for their lives. Does everybody understand me? Now, that's a freeing thing. Let me just make a stop, make a point here. How many of you have been frustrated in sharing the gospel with somebody and they just don't get it? A lot of us have. What do you normally do when they don't get it? What do you normally do? 
You give up, okay? Why do you give up? Okay, they don't comprehend it. Why else do we give up? What's our normal tendency? Frustration. Who are we frustrated at? Okay, Diane said it. Who, who, Diane? Ourselves, because we think we haven't what? Shared it properly. Do you understand? We think, you know, how many of you have been in there where you've been frustrated and you've been, oh, if I had only said this, if, or if I did, and, and it's like, if I had said it the right way, or if I had knew what somebody else knew, how many of you have expressed that kind of frustration? A lot of us have. Here's the point I want you to see though. What I want you to see is the scripture's trying to tell us here that for the most part, the issue is they're not understanding it. Because will everybody understand the gospel? No, you need to understand that. You need to grasp that point. Not everybody's going to understand. Uh, in fact, the scripture tells us that most people will view the gospel as what? Foolishness, craziness. You understand? See, when you grab a hold of that and you share your faith and somebody doesn't embrace it, that you're freed from that. You understand? Because it's not your responsibility. So now Satan will come to you and say, well, you sure did love that one up. How many of you felt that? Boy, he sure did tie you in knots with his question, didn't he? You know? And, and so that's just what Paul's trying to say is it contains a wisdom that only the mature understand. Now, they're mature not because of themselves. They're mature because of who? Christ. In particular, the Holy Spirit giving them understanding. You understand? In particular, the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who works in a person's heart to help them to see. Because remember what we talked about. In fact, Paul will talk about this later. In, in, in fact, I think it was in Second Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about that that the perishing cannot see it because who has blinded their eyes? Satan. And he refers to him as the God of this world. So you and I need to understand that. So here's the final point of what you see here in this section. It is not the wisdom of this age. It's not the wisdom of this age. The wisdom of this age is, is that salvation, your redemption, can be achieved by your effort. Does everybody understand me? That's the wisdom of this age. That's the wisdom of this country. If you, if you want to achieve something, you just got to do it. Isn't that true? What we do is, is we then transfer that over to our relationship with God and think, for me, in fact, a lot of you operate this way still. Even though you're saved, you still operate this way. And here's how you operate. I've got to do things to gain God's acceptance. I've got to pray. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to do, you know, I've got to be at church. I've got to give. I've got to, and, and you're doing those things. And, and here's how I know that you're doing because listen to the way you pray. You'll pray, well, God, I'm doing these things for you. Could you help me out here? And the problem is, listen to me, you can never do anything for God's acceptance. In fact, let me just say this. You never have to question whether or not he accepts you. He accepts you, period. But his acceptance of you has nothing to do with you. His acceptance of you has to do with Jesus and what Jesus did for you. Does everybody understand me? It's not what you've done, what you haven't done, who you are, who you're not. It's because of Jesus. He's the pure basis of the gospel. See, that goes against human wisdom because human wisdom says it's got to be what? You. See, that's the point I want you to see there. So let's move on now. Look at the nature of God's wisdom. Look at it in verse 7 again. 
Look at what he says there. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before all ages for our glory. First of all, here's the point. God's wisdom contained a mystery that was not fully revealed. It contained a wisdom that was not fully revealed. From the very beginning, if you read through the scriptures, all the way, all the way, from Genesis all the way through Malachi. When you look at the Old Testament, all the way from the beginning, Adam and Eve were promised that some, a seed would come and they would find their redemption there. All of the prophets were looking forward to Jesus coming, but they didn't understand completely, everybody listening to me, they did not understand completely what, they knew a Messiah was coming, but they didn't understand the crucifixion of the Messiah, they didn't understand that the Messiah had to die, they didn't understand that the Messiah had to raise from the dead, they didn't even understand that the Messiah was God himself in human form. Does everybody understand me? That he was fully God and fully man. But all they had was a partial understanding. It was a mystery. This is what Paul's trying to say to us here. Is that God's wisdom was what? It contained a mystery that wasn't fully revealed at the time. It wasn't fully revealed at the time. And here's what I want you to see. It was wisdom that God planned before the beginning of the ages. See, God knew that Jesus was going to go to the cross before he created anything. Do you understand? It was wisdom from the very beginning. Now, it was a mystery, but is it a mystery now? No, because who is it revealed in? Who's the mystery revealed in? Yeah, the person of Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand that? The person of Jesus Christ. So then, I want you to notice now, verse 8 tells us about the ignorance of earthly rulers. Paul makes this point, look at verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew... For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's what I want you to see. None of the earthly rulers understood the nature of this wisdom. None of the earthly rulers understood the nature of this wisdom. That's what he's trying to say here. And really what he's doing is he's indicting all of humanity by saying this. Because if the rulers didn't understand it, obviously who? The folks who were under him didn't understand it. So here's what he's saying. None of the rulers understood the nature of this wisdom. Paul states that if they did, they would not have crucified Jesus. Here's the point he was saying. If they truly understood, if the, if the Jewish authorities had understood who he was, if Pilate had understood who he was, do you think they would have crucified him? Paul said, no, they wouldn't have. If they truly understood that who was in their midst was the God of the universe, you better believe it they wouldn't have understood. Now, do they understand now? Yes. They understand now. I often sometimes think about it. What, what would it be like for them, you know, what would it be like for Pilate or for, the, for Caiaphas or Annas or any of the Sanhedrin now to stand before Jesus? And realize who they condemned, who they put on the cross. Boy, would you want to be in their shoes? No, do you see what I'm saying? If they had known, they would not have crucified him. So now I want you to notice then part of God's plan. Look at verse 9. Notice what he says here. But as it is written, the eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, 
nor have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, he is quoting here Isaiah. He's quoting two different sections from Isaiah, Isaiah 64 and Isaiah 65. And I want you to notice what he says. And this is a point for all of us. Man is not capable of understanding the blessings that God made ready for believers. You and I are not capable. Human, human beings are not capable of truly understanding the blessings that God has in store for us. So even like, for instance, when you read the book of Revelation and you get to chapter 20, 21, and 22, and you see what it reveals there about the new heaven and the new earth and about what awaits us, all we have there is a description of what awaits us. But you know what? You and I still cannot truly comprehend all of the blessings that God has for us. Period. There's no way. You can't. And, and that's an important point for you and I to understand. You cannot comprehend what it is that God has in store for you as a believer. That's the exciting thing. So it's beyond our imagination. Isn't that wonderful? What awaits you is even far more wonderful than what you hear in a song. What awaits you is even far more wonderful than what you hear some preacher tell you. What awaits you is far more wonderful than what you even read in the Scripture because... We can't comprehend it. You understand what I'm saying? We can't comprehend what awaits us there. So now I want you to notice, he's going to talk about the origin of the message. He's going to talk about the origin. Look with me at verse 10 through 13. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So I want you to notice now, first of all, the instrument of revelation. Here's how God reveals his wisdom. Everybody needs to understand that. It's not by you. And you coming to a, a moment of, ooh, I understand. It's not you. Here's how he uses it. God reveals his wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you learn something spiritually, you are incapable of understanding the things of God. Let me just go ahead and say, this is what Paul's trying to tell us here. You come to an understanding, not because of you and how smart you are. You come to an understanding because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. Does everybody understand me? None of us here can claim, listen to me, this is why he's talking to these, because he's going to describe them as immature earlier, because some of them were probably saying, well, look, man, I have an understanding. You don't know anything, but I know anything because I'm smart. Remember, they're fighting among themselves, and so pride speak is lifting itself up there. Paul is making the point to them, listen, the understanding of God's wisdom only comes as who reveals it. The Holy Spirit reveals it. Your understanding of biblical truth, of spiritual things, of the blessings of God, of God himself, is only because... Who revealed it to you? The Holy Spirit. 
See, that'll humble you, won't it? That'll definitely humble you if you think about that, because it's not like, man, I have really gained a lot of knowledge. No, you haven't. It's because God showed it to you. Now, he shows us different things, do you understand, as we're able to handle it. I remember, I'll never forget it. I uh, have a dear friend at Liberty that once told me, about 16, 17 years ago, you don't try to force God to reveal himself to you. God will reveal himself to you as you are able to handle it. And you know that. Because look at, if you look at your spiritual life and you look at how you've matured, you're understanding things about him now that you weren't able to handle when you first got saved. You understand what I'm saying? You wouldn't have been able to handle it. Why? Because he brought you through the process of maturity. And so that's what I want you to see. The next thing I want you to see, there is nothing that is beyond the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want you to see there. There is nothing that is beyond the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you think that's true? Why do you think that there's nothing beyond the knowledge of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, Bruce said because he's God. Because he's God, there is nothing beyond his knowledge. Isn't that interesting? When you go over to James, James talks about trials, and he says if you're facing trials and if you lack wisdom, you you and I need to what? Pray and ask of wisdom, and if we're asking out of faith, not with a divided heart, it will be what? Given to us. Now, who do you think gives us that wisdom? The Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? See how the Scripture works with each other there? Okay? Now, look with me now. Uh, the enablement of the Spirit. Look at verse 11. He tells us this. The Spirit, the Spirit knows God personally. The Spirit knows God personally. That's what I want you to see. Why does He know God personally? Anybody? Because he is God, and but like what Marilyn said, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three, the essence of three and one God, okay? All fully God, one God, and they have a relationship with each other. One cannot do something without the other knowing. They're in perfect harmony with each other. And so the Spirit here knows God personally. Now, I want you to notice... Verse 12, look at what verse 12 tells us. But we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We're going to talk about the spirits and dwelling here. Here's what I want you to see. Believers have received the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The moment you understood the gospel, and the moment that you realized your need for Jesus Christ, and you responded to the gospel by committing your life to Him. At that moment, the Spirit of God entered into your life. You understand? The Spirit of God entered into your life. Jesus entered into you through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Comforter, as He described Him in John, is with you. Do you? I mean, sometimes we don't think about that because we think of, well, you know, especially when we sin... It's just us, me, myself, and I, and nobody else knows. But do you realize that when you do that, somebody's with you? Who's with you? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. God Himself is with you. So it's not like you're, 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 you're all of a sudden out of His presence. Isn't that a scary thing? should be a scary thing. should scare you. Because that should grab a hold of you to realize that you've got God Himself living within you. 
So that's why when Paul can say things like this, greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. Who's he talking about there? Holy Spirit. You understand? The Holy Spirit. You see, this is why, you know, for instance, what would Jesus do? That whole concept, uh, which actually came out of a novel, not out of theology. That whole concept there, there's a flaw there. It's, you, shouldn't, you and I shouldn't be asking, what would Jesus do in this situation? Jesus is already there with you. The question should be, what does Jesus want you to do? Not what Jesus would do. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And he will guide you if you are genuinely seeking him to what? He'll guide you in your life, in, in the decisions that you have to make, and especially with the issues, when, especially when it comes to the issues of sin. So then notice something. Here's what he's saying. Through the Holy Spirit, we are able to understand the wisdom of God. It's through the Holy Spirit, listen now, it's through the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to understand the wisdom of God. So when you're reading your Bible and you understand what it's saying there, it's not again because of you, it's because somebody revealed truth to you. Who's the somebody? Holy Spirit. It's because the Holy Spirit, God Himself, is giving you understanding. So for instance, I can think about it. Let me just, you know, in 1985 I became a Christian. I had read the Bible many times before, different passages and stuff. I'm going to be honest with you, it didn't make sense to me before. But I'll tell you what, when I got saved, when I committed my life to Christ, it's amazing how I began to understand things. Maybe some of you have that same testimony. It's amazing how you begin to understand what you're reading and what, what was the difference? What was the difference? The Holy Spirit being within you, giving you understanding. So I want you to understand that. Okay, now let's look. Here's the source of their teaching. Look at verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which human wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here's what he's saying. Paul states that it is this wisdom that they are teaching. Here's what Paul's saying. Guys, this is what I'm trying to teach you. What I've been trying to teach you and have been teaching you is what the Holy Spirit has revealed. It is truth, it is wisdom that comes through the revelation of God's Holy Spirit. So then notice with me verses 14 through 16. Notice what it says there. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So first of all, I want you to notice the inability of natural man. Natural man cannot understand the things of God. And again, quit beating yourself up because of that. They are spiritually unable to understand. You and I need to grab that point. You need to grab that point. If they don't know Jesus Christ, if they have not made a personal commitment to Him, if they have not been, have received salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ, they're not going to understand spiritual truth. And nor can you try to get them to understand unless who causes them, who, who, uh, brings them to that point of understanding, the Holy Spirit Himself. And so you and I need to understand that. They cannot understand the things of God. They can't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not able to understand the things of God. 
So, you know, you, you can get ticked off at them. I would say don't get ticked off at them. You say, well, why not? Think about it. They have no capability of understanding unless God gives them the capability of understanding. Your heart should break for them. You see my point? You see what I'm saying? We're so quick to condemn. But what we need to understand is that people come to truth because God reveals truth. Do you understand? God reveals truth. And if they can't understand it, if they cannot understand it, if God doesn't help them to understand it, will they ever understand it? They have no capability humanly to do that. We should break our hearts for them. And actually, what actually should not should cause us to break our hearts for them, it also should cause you to be thankful for your salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? It should also cause you to say, man, Lord, you showed grace to me. I could have been like them. Do you understand? I could have been like them. So, here's the point. Let's go on. He goes on and he says this. Here's what he says. The things of God. They are foolishness to him. They're foolishness. Guys, you've seen this played out on your TVs. Don't get frustrated when you see some guy on television who says, well, we shouldn't be teaching that in school because that's just utter foolishness. We need to stick with science. And you're getting all riled up. My friends, they don't see it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't see it. And the response from you shouldn't be anger. The response from you should be compassion because they don't see it. And because when they don't see it, what does that tell you about ultimately their destiny? Yeah, judgment is awaiting them because they don't grasp the things of God. Do you understand? And we should not, and I'll be honest with you, all of us should be at the place where we say that nobody deserves theirs. There should be some level of, of heartfelt compassion in this. In fact, I had this discussion this week with somebody. I forget now who it was. I talked to so many people. But we were talking about in the judgment. I was talking to them about that I believe very strongly that when God stands in judgment of the nations and when his judgment causes people to go to hell, he is not going to be sitting there on the judgment seat with a grin on his face. He is not going to be sitting there happy that these people are going to hell. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says this, he is willing that none should perish. That's the heart of God. But he has to execute judgment for people who rebel against him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you and I should have that kind of heart. If God has that heart of compassion, we should have that heart of compassion. They are foolishness to him. Let's go on now. Look at the judgment of spiritual man. Spiritual man is able to understand all things with the wisdom of God. Have you noticed that as you mature in your faith, you're able to look at the news, you're able to look at things around you, and you're able to discern things that maybe you, you weren't able to discern before because you able, are able to see beneath the surface of the issue to the spiritual issue? How many of you have noticed that? We all have, haven't we? How is it that we're able to do that? Anybody? Who's the source of wisdom and knowledge? Holy Spirit. You understand? Holy Spirit. So that's the point he's saying now. Here's what he's going to go. Look at Berkeley now at verses 1 to 4. He's going to move from the wisdom of God now 
and he's going to go back to the Corinthian believers. Look with me at what he says in 1-4. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal, for there are envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos. And are you not carnal? Here's what he's going to talk about. He's going to address them about... He's going to move from the wisdom of God now and how we understand the wisdom of God. He's going to move right from there to talking about where they're at. And he's going to get right back to the argument of their of their argument. Here's what he says. Paul tells them that he cannot address them as spiritually mature believers. Wow. He just got through explaining to them that it's God's Holy Spirit that brings about maturity in their life. It's God's Holy Spirit that gives them understanding concerning the things of God. So then when he changes back to talking about them and the issue, which is them fighting among themselves, he says, look guys, I should have been able to talk to you as spiritual people, but the fact of the matter is is that you're not. You're not spiritually mature. In fact, he uses the word carnal, fleshy. So he's saying, I can't address you as spiritually mature people. Here's what he's saying then. Notice now. He tells them that they are not able to move beyond just elementary teaching. Did you notice that? Some people can't move beyond just the basics that Jesus has forgiven them. Because there's a whole lot more there. You ever met somebody like that? How many have met somebody like that? You know, they may have been saved 20 years, but they're still just in the elementary teaching of when they got saved. I've met people like that. They haven't grown beyond that. And it's exhibited in their what? Behavior. And so they have not been able to grow beyond just the elementary teachings. They have not been able to mature. They've not been able to mature. Let me just stop for a moment. I want you to understand something. Maturity in Jesus is not measured in years. You may want to write that down. Maturity in Jesus is not measured in years. Just because you've been a Christian for a long time does not mean you're mature. Spiritual maturity is not measured in years. It is measured in the depth of wisdom that you understand and how it's applied to your life. Do you see what I'm saying? It's measured in what you understand and how you apply it to your life. That's maturity. And these folks here, he's saying, guys, I taught you, I, I, you know, I started you as a church, I fed you milk, you should be munching on T-bone steak now, but you're still eating Gerber baby cereal. I mean, for instance, you know, if you and I went down to Let's say we went to Pizza Hut today or, or we went to the Jumbo Buffet or the Main One or the Hunan or something and, and you're there and, and you're eating chicken. You're having sweet and sour and, 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 and you look over on the next table and there's a 40 year old and he's got a bowl of baby cereal. What's going through your mind? Be honest. Yeah, Bruce says, what's the matter with him? He should be what? Enjoying the buffet. Having some Dr. So chicken or something, you know what I mean? Whatever. You know, 
chicken teriyaki. I mean, whatever. He should be enjoying at least a bowl of ice cream. Come on. And he's over there eating baby cereal, 40 years old. Now, he looks awfully skinny, you know. But here's what I'm saying. You would look at that guy and say, he's weird. This is what Paul's saying. Guys, you should be moved beyond in your level of understanding, away from just elementary things. You should be moved to where? Where you're eating on deeper issues, deeper understanding of God, maturity in your faith. Here, let me just stop for a moment. This is a good point for you and I to understand. It is a dangerous thing to your spiritual life to think you've arrived. You want to write that down? It is a dangerous thing to your spiritual life to think that you've arrived. And you say, why do you say that, George? Because here's the thing. You can never, ever truly comprehend the things of God. We've already talked about that. They are only understood as the Spirit of God reveals them. And I'm going to tell you right now, He doesn't reveal everything to us. In fact, you've only arrived when you're standing before Jesus. You've only arrived when you're standing before Jesus. And even then, you're not going to fully understand everything. So for you to say, I've gone as far as I need to in my spiritual walk, in my spiritual maturity with Christ, is a dangerous thing to say. Because every one of us, including myself, is always learning. Always learning. Always learning. In fact, God's showing me stuff this week about me and about Him. And I'm always learning. Always learning. You need to be always learning and growing in your faith. Don't ever get to the place where you think you've arrived and you can just coast from here on out. Don't ever get there. Because it's dangerous. It'll be dangerous to you. Let's go on now. He says the level of their maturity. Here's what he says. Paul states that they are spiritually immature and fleshy. Spiritually immature. Listen, and we're, I'm going to tell you why. The evidence of that immaturity, then I'm going to make a point here as we close. Their immaturity was evidenced by the fact that the church was, is fragmented by their behavior. Look, at, In fact, he says three things specifically. Their immaturity is evident because what? Verse 3, there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Here's the point I want you to see. Some of you maybe know some folks, maybe they're relatives, maybe they're even children or uh, brothers or sisters, siblings or friends, and they profess Christ in their life. Notice I use the word profess. They profess Christ in their life. And you're making excuses for them because you can remember when maybe they made a profession of Jesus. Maybe they prayed a prayer or something. And you're, you're making excuses for them and saying, well, I know they're okay. But everything in their life evidences something else. Everything in their life evidences something else. You need to quit making excuses and quit saying to them, well, you're okay. Because I remember when Grandma led you to a prayer. Because the reality is, maturity 
is going to be evidenced in actions. Immaturity is going to be evidenced in actions. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to be evidenced by your actions. And we need to quit making excuses for each other. This is, you know, this is, we don't, here's the thing, we have gotten away from what the Bible talks about like discipline. Do you know what biblical discipline is? Biblical discipline isn't just throwing somebody out of the church. Biblical discipline is going up to a believer who's in sin and saying to them, you know, you're not doing right, I need to help you, I need to help you through this. We need to quit making excuses and saying everybody's okay when the fact of the matter is there could be three possibilities, two possibilities. Number one, they are very immature and they need to grow. Or number two, they don't really know Jesus. Does everybody understand me? And this is the point he's saying to them, guys, you are immature, and how I know that you're immature, and how I know that you're not able to handle the things of God is because I'm looking at how you're treating each other, I'm looking at how you're fighting and fussing and feuding, I'm looking at the jealousies, I'm looking at the envy, I'm looking at the divisions, and that tells me more about where you're at than what you're telling me. Notice something, he's not going by what they said, he's going by what they did. See, this is why, can I be honest with you, most non-Christian people look at people in church and say they're hypocrites. Because we profess one thing, and we what? We live something completely different. And they're, they're, they're challenging us is actually true. We need to admit it, yeah? The church is filled with hypocrites. And that's reality. And this is what Paul's saying to them. He's saying, guys, you're immature, and the evidence of that immaturity is that you are... It's evidence to the fact that the church is fragmented. Okay, next week we're going to look at Paul then going into discussion of ministry. Now you say, why is he... now? I mean, I thought, isn't he going to address this issue about uh, their fussing and feuding among themselves? Yeah, because he's got to address it now. Because remember, the last thing he said there, verse 4, is, is that some are saying, I'm of Paul, and some are saying, I'm of Apollos. He's got to correct their thinking about church leadership now, about spiritual leadership, so that he can further address the issue of their divisions. So he's going to correct their thinking concerning some conceptions they have about ministry. Okay, and so we're going to look at that next week. Okay, let's close our time in prayer.